0: Now, if you were asked to complete this sentence, the heart of the Christian life or heart of living as a Christian is dot, 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 what would you say? It may be that you couldn't give an answer. You're still trying to work out what the Christian faith is all about. Well, I'm so pleased if that's the case that you're with us uh, here today. And I hope that as you continue to meet with us as a church family, you will discover the joy and wonder of what it means to be and live as a Christian. But if you have familiarity with Christian things, if you consider yourself a Christian, how would you finish this statement? The heart of living as a Christian is. What would you say? Think about that for a moment. That's actually what we're going to be thinking about. As we turn to the passage we've just had read from Luke's gospel. So chapter seven, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. We learn later that the Pharisee's name is Simon. We're not explicitly told why he invited uh, Jesus to dinner, but we can imagine. Jesus has caused a huge stir. He has uh, His reputation has gone before him. Simon would have been aware that people were claiming that Jesus was a prophet sent from God to help his people. And Simon wants to see what Jesus is like for himself. He wants to come to his own conclusions. And so Jesus accepts the invitation. Jesus is as happy to eat in the home of a Pharisee As he is in the home of a tax collector, and Luke has already told us about a party that Jesus went to at Levi's house, which was filled with we're told tax collectors and sinners. So there is Jesus reclining at the dinner table in the Pharisee's house. Uh, In those days, a wealthy, respectable folk didn't you didn't sit sit down to eat as we do. You lay down on a couch to eat with your head with your head near the table and your feet pointed away from the table. Dinners were also public affairs. People could enter into the courtyard and stay on the edge and watch and listen to the conversation. And that is why this woman was able to kind of gate crash the party. Verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them and poured perfume on them. Again, we don't know anything about this woman except for the fact that she was a known sinner. It could well be that uh, she was a a local prostitute. That's the assumption that's often made about her. Maybe she had been one of the guests at Levi's house. Clearly, she had had some dealings with Jesus before she entered Simon's house. She has seen what people meant when they referred to Jesus as the friend of sinners. In him, there was a love and acceptance that she had never experienced before. A love that was totally different. It was pure, clean, generous. So although uninvited, outclassed, and an outcast, Nothing was going to stop her from seeing Jesus. She wanted to express her own love and gratitude to Jesus. And so she enters Simon's house armed with this precious jar of perfume. And we can imagine the scene. No doubt there were a lot of furtive looks and clumsy conversation amongst the other dinner guests as this woman washed Jesus' feet with her tears then dried them with her hair, kissed them, and then poured perfume on them. I mean, her behavior was scandalous. The only person who appeared not embarrassed is Jesus. This treatment doesn't seem to cause him to bat an eyelid. To everyone else, this woman's behavior is shocking, shameful, but Jesus treats it as entirely appropriate. It's almost as if he expects it. Nothing else will do. You could cut the atmosphere with a knife. Everyone is thinking the same thing. If only Jesus knew what she was like. But they didn't dare say it. But then Jesus says it for them. He goes on to say effectively, I do know what she's like. I'm not ashamed of her. She is precious to me. I accept her love. And it's an electric story, isn't it? And it shows us so clearly what lies at the heart of a healthy Christian life. So remember that statement I began with, that the heart of living as a Christian is? Well, we can now complete it. At the heart of living as a Christian is a passionate, full-blooded, Love for Jesus at the heart of our life. If we are Christian believers, should be the sort of love for Jesus demonstrated by this woman. Let's think about it for a minute. Think of her eagerness. She only has to hear that Jesus is at Simon's house, and off she goes to be close to him. Her, her, her appointments are, and the plans are rearranged accordingly. I wonder. Is the friendship we have with Jesus so precious that we desperately want to seek him out? Jesus isn't found in any geographical location anymore. He's sitting at the right hand of the the Father in glory. But we do meet Jesus and get to know him better as we feed on the scriptures which are all about him. And when we pray, either on our own or with other people, to him or in his name. Does Jesus get the first claim on our time? Because we love him. Or do we just give him what we can spare? Then think of this woman's courage. It was not enough for her to wait outside for Jesus' company. No, she opened the door and headed in. Now, although, as I said already, in those days, such a meal would not have been a kind of a private affair. She would not have been welcome. No doubt, she was greeted with eyes like daggers. If looks could kill, she would have been dead. But unpopularity didn't matter to her as long as she could be with Jesus. We are entering an era in which not only is the, from sort of society's world's view, no social benefit to being a Christian. There's actually a social cost. In many places in Western culture, it is people becoming increasingly hostile towards Christian faith. Beliefs in Almighty God, truth, sin, and the afterlife are disappearing. Our culture is producing people for whom Christianity is not only offensive, it is incomprehensible. So if we are identified with Jesus, there might well be jibes from folk at school. What, you've got all religious? You really don't believe all that stuff, do you? It might mean like a promotion at work, because we're known to hold certain unpopular Christian values. We're seeing that played in the Scottish leadership elections, aren't we? Or it may put a strain on a friendship. Why do you have to be so different? But if it's one or the other, our relationship with Jesus or fitting with others, does Jesus win? To show the sort of courage this woman showed is what it means to love Jesus. And then think of that woman's emotion, all those tears and sobbing. No doubt they were both tears of joy to have found Jesus and tears of sadness at not finding him sooner. What a wretched life he'd have saved her from if she had. And then there was all that kissing of his feet. Her love was very public and obvious. She wasn't British about it. Our lips can't kiss Jesus. But from what our lips say, would people know that we loved him? Will other people's lips rubbish Christ or use his name as a, a swear word to let us steam? Is, that, is there that sort of stab of pain in our chest because of the high place Jesus holds in our emotions? That's what it means to love Christ. And then finally, think of this woman's extravagance. That precious oil, I mean, if it was in, a, in an alabaster jar, it was a very expensive perfume indeed. Had she wanted, she could have sold it for a great deal of money, kept most of the money, and bought a smaller gift. But love doesn't use calculators. It is extravagant. Will we give our precious resources to Jesus and to his friends, such as our time, simply because he, he is so special to us am worth it if we have abilities that can be used for Christ's honor do we pour them at his feet with our money are we stingy or generous to be extravagant is what it means to love Jesus and love is at the heart of the christian life and what a contrast her attitude and behavior is to simon and you see, in Simon, we see someone whose relationship with Christ doesn't involve the heart at all. And Jesus puts it very straight to him. Look at verse 44. Do you see this woman? I came into your house... You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Three times Jesus tells Simon, you did not, but she did. <laughs> Simon felt he was doing Jesus a favor. It was an honor for Jesus to be at Simon's table. There was... There was no eagerness, no courage, no emotion, no extravagance. Simon was simply curious and detached, cool, calm, and collected. At best, he had silent sympathies for Jesus. But Jesus is not after silent sympathies, friends. He is after full-blooded, committed followers who love him. Jesus didn't want to just share Simon's food. He wanted Simon's heart, his love. And it's the same with us. We may be very happy to come to church. We're very comfortable, so to speak, to be in the same room as Jesus. We believe in Jesus and we're prepared to be identified with him. But Christ wants more than that. He wants an unashamed, passionate love. And it is that unashamed love for Jesus, evident in his people, that causes a watching world to sit up and take notice. But what brought about that passionate love for Jesus in this woman? Well, again, this account makes it abundantly clear. See, the driving force of this woman's passionate love for Jesus was her experience of Jesus' forgiveness. See, this woman was right about the heart of the Christian life because she was right about the start, the foundation of the Christian life. And Simon was missing the heart of the Christian life because he missed the start of it. So what according to the story is the start of the Christian life? Well, Jesus leads us in no doubt. The start of living as a Christian involves experiencing Jesus' forgiveness. And that's the point that Jesus explicitly makes in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. How do I know that, Jesus? Or how do I know that, says Jesus? I, I tell you, because she loved much. You are looking, Simon, At a woman who would have had nothing to do with me if I hadn't first forgiven her. In her life, she treated God like a block of wood. She had laughed in the face of God by ignoring his standards. Do you think she would have come near me if I hadn't first accepted her and forgiven her? But that's what I've done. I have washed away all that sordid past. That's what the baptism service points to. The initiative of God to cleanse. I've removed, says Jesus to Simon, her shame. So instead of being loathed by everyone, loathing herself, she feels loved because she is. It is gratitude for that forgiveness that fuels this love you see. And so Simon, if you have no deep love for me, might it not be because you do not appreciate the forgiveness I freely offer? For that is the start of it all. A knowledge, and experience of forgiveness. And Jesus tells a parable to explain it. 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? See, this is what explains this woman's behavior. She had run up a huge debt with God, and she knew it. And God had let the whole thing go. He forgave her completely. See, this woman had got the heart right. Devotion to Jesus, because she had got the start right. Forgiveness, an experience of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now there's no implication in the passage that Simon thought of himself as sinless. But the difference between them was this. Whereas Simon was more aware of her sin than he was of his own, the woman was deeply aware of her own sin and the wonder of being forgiven by Jesus. You get it? There will be some of us here who have done things for which we feel very ashamed. Some of the things may lie in the past. Some of them may be more recent. Perhaps we have had sexual encounters of which we are ashamed. Can I say sexual sin has an extraordinary way of leaving its mark on people And in a sense, that may be no bad thing if it convinces us to think more like this woman thought and less like Simon the Pharisee. You see, the Simons of this world are in great danger. We see the sins of others, but we never look honestly into our own hearts and see the horror of self-righteousness, selfish complacency, And moral vanity. Simon did not need to see this woman's sin. He needed to see his own. He needed to recognize that when it came to relating to God, he too had run up huge debts. And he had no chance of paying them off. Friends, do you recognize that yourself? Our love for Jesus will only be as great as our sense of sin and forgiveness. No sense of sin, no sense of forgiveness, no love for Jesus. And so in verse 48, Jesus turns to this woman and dresses her directly for the first time. Your sins are forgiven. She'd already experienced and received Christ's forgiveness. And now she also has a direct word from Jesus assuring her of that fact. And we too can have that assurance of sins forgiven as we trust in Jesus and look to the cross. As the Bible reminds us, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. Who is this who even forgives sins? See what Jesus said to the woman was even more actually scandalous than her actions. Only God can deal with sin. So Jesus was acting as if he was God. That's why Jesus upset so many of his contemporaries. But Jesus ignores their mutterings and says to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And Jesus finishes off by assuring this woman that her trust in him has not been misplaced. This woman got the heart of the Christian life right. A passion, devotion to Jesus because she got the start of the Christian life right. She had met with Jesus and experienced the wonder of forgiveness. Friends, can I ask us, is that true of each of us here? What I suggest we do now is to have a moment of quiet where we just think about our own response to Jesus. It may be that some of us here are yet to experience Christ's forgiveness. We haven't come to him and asked him to take control of our life and to cleanse us and to change us. Well, if that is the case, why not use this time now, this just minute or so, in the quietness of your heart, And ask him to reveal himself to you and to change you from the inside out. To wash you, to cleanse your heart. And then after we've had a time of quiet, we'll remain seated as Sarah Goodwin comes and leads us in a further time of prayer.